Coming up on today's Locked On Big Ten, it's a Monday, which means Jay Stevens is in from Locked On Buckeyes to break down everything that happened over the weekend in the Big Ten. We've got a lot to get to, so let's get right into it here on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Hope you had a good weekend out there. Whoever you rooted for, I hope they won. If it's a Big Ten team, got a 50% shot if you're listening in right now. Jay Stevens is in on a Monday, as always. His Ohio State Buckeyes, pretty often winners. On Saturday, no different in a big way over the Indiana Hoosiers. Jay was there. We'll get to that later on in the program today, Jay. First, though, overall, the weekend was obviously full of stuff for us to talk about. It'd be foolish of us not to start with the nine overtime thriller, Illinois over Penn State. It's not nine real overtimes. I don't know what we can call it anyway. But point is, Penn State goes down for the second time. Illinois, not a good team to lose to for the second time. But this is... A little bit of a weird one, too. First off, just stuff that happened on the field. How did Penn State lose this game in, I guess, how did it get to overtime? Once it got to overtime, we can get into how anything can happen there. How did this end up being a tie game after four quarters of play? Penn State is not that team that's supposed to do that at home against Illinois. Honestly, man, if Sean Clifford's healthy, this this wasn't a contest. However... Illinois had over 300 rushing yards in this game. I think it, I had it as like three – the exact number escapes me, right? 357. It's right in front of me. 357 on the ground, and in most games, that's an easy win. If you have 357 on the ground or through the air, that's an easy win. However, it was Illinois' inability to be able to throw the ball consistently. They only had 38 passing yards in the entire – yes, 38 passing yards in the entire game – and that's kind of what slowed them down. I do know they had a running back go down late in the game. I forget if that was in regulation or in overtime. But Penn State should not have won this game based off just the rushing attack alone of the Illinois fighting Illini. And as one person said, Brett Bielema outcoached James Franklin off the entirety. It shouldn't have nine overtime. It shouldn't have gone into overtime at all. Illinois' offense, man, if they, could just, if they, could have, if they had an – I'm passionate. I'm an okay passer, like an, an average guy. This is no contest. I mean, it, Penn State's defense. Penn State's a better team than what we saw. The offense is kind of throughout throughout the game. Well, it it reflects in how the Nittany Lions are viewed. Uh, AP poll says number twenty now this week and falling out. I mentioned before we got started about talking about how the playoff committee would view that loss. I spaced out that that was their second loss. I mean, it's hard to keep track of when the good teams lose this year in the Big Ten. But Penn State's kind of out now, out, out. That's two Big Ten losses. They're not catching Ohio State. I mean, they can hope that Ohio State slips up somewhere else. And, of course, big matchup this weekend against the Buckeyes that they'd have to win too. But right now Penn State's on the outside looking in as far as any sort of national picture goes the rest of the season. What's now the goal for if you're a Penn State team? Is it? getting into that, I guess, I don't know what the playoff semifinals are this year, but is it getting to that Rose Bowl if that's not a situation? If as a second Big Ten team, I, I mean, 
it's a such quick change of expectation for Penn State after uh, again falling a victim to the trap game going into this Ohio State matchup. This year happens to be one of the years that the Rose Bowl is not a playoff game, so it will be played. The playoff okay, games are, are played on New Year's Eve, which I I I totally do not like the New Year's Eve of the whole playoff thing. I wish the playoff games were played more on January first, which has been an untraditional, like an unofficial holiday for college football fans. But the playoff committee is doing what they want to do, so they 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 do what they got to do. So the. The Nittany Lions could theoretically, assuming the big, and that's assuming the Big Ten Conference champion goes to the playoff, the Nittany Lions might have a path to go to the Rose Bowl, but they would have to win out and win convincingly and humiliate the rest of their opponents. I don't see that happening. You're kind of playing for your pride. You're playing to play in the best bowl game you can and to have the best season you can and make what you can of what's left on your schedule. I do think, I know it's a week. Oh, listen, a week from now, I do think Penn State does lose to Ohio State. Last I checked this coming weekend, the, the betting line is Ohio State is 17 and a half point favorites. It did start off, I believe, at 15 or 15 and a half and quickly jumped up. Um, I just think it's no, no contest. The healthy Sean Clifford may make that a closer matchup, but I don't see Penn State being a team with their offense looking like it did, being able to compete with any of the elite teams. I mean, they're probably going to struggle with more teams throughout the Big Ten because if you can't score, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. If you can't score at least 20 points in regulation, you're not going to win many games in college football. Yeah, that line right now at betonline.ag is at 17 and a half in favor of Ohio State. But we'll talk more with Jay about Ohio State's big win over Indiana over the weekend. Jay was there in Bloomington to witness that one, as well as all the other big matchups from all over on Saturday. Wisconsin takes over Purdue to continue to control its own fate in the Big Ten. Could they rear their head on that western side of the division? We'll discuss all of that here as we go over each game in the Big Ten with Jay here on Locked On Big Ten. Daily Fantasy is the hottest way to play fantasy sports right now. You get the thrill of picking the right teams or players without having to wait the whole season to get those results. Now, Prize Picks has a new way for you to do it. College football is hard to find in Daily Fantasy. There aren't that many lines or sites that do it the way Prize Picks is trying to do it. There's more college players and props for you to choose from. At Prize Picks, what you do is you choose a group of players, teams, choose props over unders on touchdowns, yards, things like that. And if your parlay hits, you win big money. 10 times what you put in more sometimes too. Go over to prizepicks.com, check it out, see how things work. And if you do end up using the service, be sure to use our promo code locked on. You'll get a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit, a match of up to $100. So again, it's prizepicks.com. They've got new ways to play with college daily fantasy sports. Give them a try. Again, it's prizepicks.com or download the prizepicks app. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. Alongside our Monday co-host, Jay Stevens, who's the host of Locked On Buckeyes, I'm Nate Dickinson. Be sure to tune in, of course, to Locked On Buckeyes every weekday. Make it your second listen right after you're done listening here. And we thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. We're going over all the games from over the weekend in the Big Ten here on the show today with Jay, as we do every week. It's become a bit of a habit. 
and Jay's Buckeyes won in Bloomington. Jay was in Indiana at the game to witness the 54 to 7 demolishing a 44 to 7 score at halftime. Jay Buckeyes really let the gas off in that second half. It was an absolute route, a game where Ohio State's offense continued to roll in historic fashion on a historic pace. And the Indiana Hoosiers continued to look like a team that's still trying to pick up the pieces. But every Sunday, someone else just runs over them again, and they kind of have to start over. Ohio State, the latest team to do it. Uh, what did you see, I guess, out of the Hoosiers first? I, I, I'll let you talk about your Buckeyes and Bragg in a minute. But what did Indiana do? The Indiana offensive line was a big part of why Ohio State was – able to do almost whatever they wanted to um, on defense as far as getting into the backfield. First drive of the game, scripted offensive plays for the Hoosiers, moved right down the field, converted on three third and long attempts. Peyton Hendershot had a couple big catches. One was around the 50-yard line, middle of the field, big third down conversion, and he's getting the crowd hype, and he's excited. The student section was ready to rock during this game for the Hoosiers. However, I believe it was on the touchdown reception of Peyton Hendershot on the right side of the end zone, back of the right side of the end zone, that Peyton, no, that Jack Tuttle, the quarterback, ended up getting sandwiched. And on that play, he got sandwiched. He's the backup quarterback. So then you bring in true freshman quarterback, and Donovan, Donovan McCauley, who's primarily your running guy, but now you're asking him to come in and play one of the best teams in the country that can score against anybody at will and say, hey, we know you're normally a runner, but now we need you to throw, throw the ball as well. Not a good recipe for success. Donovan McCauley, one for six, 30 passing yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. The zero interceptions is big, but only one for six. That's not very good. Now, Jack Teller did come back into the game. Grant Grimmel, the four-string quarterback, played. He went three for four, but only for nine yards. The offensive line was a big reason why the Ohio State defense was so good in this game. They had to keep up with the Ohio State offense, and the Hoosiers couldn't do it. I mean, there's no need to be nice about it, Jay. I mean, the team didn't have a whole lot of what it was to no. start the season. I mean, you mentioned that injury bug at the quarterback position has been really tough for them, and they had guys who really hadn't played the spot before at this level mm -hmm. going out there and repping for the team. So, again, on the Hoosiers' side, you don't really, I don't think, take too much out of this. But for Ohio State, I mean, that's still – an experienced, pretty good Indiana defense out there that had, uh, again, we don't have to talk too much about the Hoosier struggles, but there's plenty of talent there. And Ohio State put up 51, C.J. Stroud, 266, four touchdowns. Outstanding again. His receivers and weapons outstanding again. This team looks to be clicking on all cylinders. We've said it before. I think it's the biggest key right now is that Ohio State's offense is on another level beyond anything any other big team, team is coming close to putting together. And it's showing no sign of slowing down right now. I, I mean, talk, just talk more. Talk more about how good this offense has been. I guess I don't have a question. Nate, I don't know if we know exactly how good this offense is right now because their best running back does not play consistently. I mean, that's as scary as, as, scary as things are. Ohio State in the first half, touched the, every time they touch the ball – they scored. I, they didn't not score on a drive until the first drive of the second half. And I say we don't know how good this offense is 
Because true freshman running back Travion Henderson is probably averaging 10 touches a game. He only had nine carries. He had, uh, I think, a couple rushing touchdowns, one touchdown on a screen pass in the red zone. I believe that was in the second half of the game. May have been late second quarter. But when he's even though he's not playing, there's a backup running back in Mayan Williams who could get the job done as well. Mayan Williams will start on almost every team in college football. Travion Henderson is just better. Think about if your best players play consistently for Ohio State. And if and if Ryan Day keeps opening up the playbook, we could see things that we have not seen in a very long time. I won't say ever, but in a very long time from this offense because they might be able to score against everybody anytime they're on the field if they play their best guys every single time. And I say if they did. They still scored first drive of the game with Mayan Williams, a rushing rushing attack, rushing play on the left side of the line. So even though they might not be playing their best players, they're still moving the ball and still scoring. But maybe it could be the plays per drive could be less. The average time of Elvis drive could be less. I mean, this team could be very, very special. We marvel at 2019 LSU. We marvel at 2020 Alabama. Maybe this offense may have a weapon or two that neither one of those teams had. Where is Ohio State fan base right now uh, with, I guess, Ryan Day? I mean, I mean, he's proven himself, I'd, I'd say, plenty. He has been to this college football playoff twice already right in Mm -hmm. 2019 Mm -hmm. and 2020 yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not mistaken there but he has yet to win the big one he's doing things at a different level right now i i mean was there any question about what he could do as far as bringing this team a national championship is that being silenced at all if it existed the only kind of hesitation i know people were talking about was early in the season because when you start the season like ohio state did a, only a two touchdown win over Minnesota, only uh, not say only a seven point loss to Oregon when you are clearly the better team. If you take talent, uh, just talent alone. I know talent with plays and coaching goes into it, but just talent alone, you're better than Oregon. And then when you add in the Tulsa game, a 21 point win for the Buckeyes wasn't that close throughout most of the game. Yeah, there people hesitating, a little cautious, a little. Uh, concerned, maybe blowing up the message boards. But I think all that's kind of gone away. Now, you do have a Penn State team that has a really good defense. How will Ryan Day attack them this weekend? Myself, I am asking the same question. Two years, great. But we need, I, I, I like consistency. Let's continue the success. And Penn State knows this is a game that they need for their mentals, for their own pride for the rest of the season. You also have Michigan State. And Michigan, this may be a season where Ohio State faces tougher tougher teams down the stretch of the season. Hey, we are going to see some really good stuff from Ryan Day. Play calling, preparation, and preparing for preparing this team and its coaches for what's going to happen, not just this week, but also against Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan throughout the rest of the season. Can't forget the Big Ten Championship game as well. That's what everyone's gearing up for right now, Jay. Not just Ohio State, everyone in that eastern side of the Big Ten who still has any sort of say in it. They're all pretty much playing each other down this stretch. The schedule just worked out that way, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. Let's move on to the west side of the Big Ten. Wisconsin and Purdue both controlled their own fate going into Saturday. Obviously, only the winner still would. 
Wisconsin ended up being that winner, improved to two and two in conference play. Weird to say that they'd be under 500 in the Big Ten and still controlling their fate on that side, but it's the case. They dominate in a way over Purdue. Purdue ended up looking pretty good. It was tied at halftime, 17 unanswered in the second half for the Badgers. Graham Mertz, five for eight, 52 yards, but the running game for the Badgers comes up big. 290 total yards as a team, two different 140-yard rushers in Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen. Jay, this Wisconsin team starting to look like the Wisconsin teams of old, but the, the, the problem has always been that those Wisconsin teams has never been able to really get over the hump in the Big Ten, especially as of recent. No, you're exactly you're exactly right. And it's nice to see that they have two guys go over 140 on the ground, knowing the deficiencies and the holes that are in Graham Mertz game. You're kind of hoping and wondering how in the world will this team be able to overcome certain things that Graham Mertz cannot do or has not done. Maybe he will do down the road. Maybe he can. It's just mentally there's blocks. But he has not done certain things on the field. How will this team move the ball and score Against the Purdue team, they will get up for an Iowa. They'll get up for an Ohio State. They also sometimes play down to the level of their own competition, only scoring seven points, the offense of the Purdue Boilermakers. They got a scoop and score from George Karloftis in the, I believe, the second quarter. But then Wisconsin scored 20 unanswered. I forget exactly when that when that scoop and score was. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wisconsin scored 20 unanswered points. It was 13-7 at that point. No, 13-10 at that point. Then Wisconsin scores 20 unanswered points. They had a couple interceptions. The Wisconsin defense did. So Graham Mertz's inability to do certain things on the field. You have a great rushing game from two guys for the Badgers. And also the defense is playing like the defense has played all year. That was at 6.15, I believe. Yeah, 6.15, I believe, of the second quarter, you said, when George Karloftis ended up bringing that ball back more than 50 yards for the touchdown for Purdue that looked like it might help bring the Boilermakers mm-hmm. back into that game. But again, Wisconsin comes out on top and in turn, again, still controls its own fate in the Big Ten. We'll get into that more later this week about which teams still have that kind of a situation going on the rest of the way. Built Bar is a long and proud sponsor here at Locked On, and we are proud to have them on because these things are just flat out good. Head on over to BuiltBar.com, Built.com right now built.com they changed the site at some point on me built.com is the name of the site head on over and check out all their products this month they're releasing new limited edition flavors every three to four days they're really churning them out right now over at built bar so now is the time to try and find out that new flavor you might like if you've looked before and not seen anything that's caught your eye there's new stuff i guarantee out there so check it again again it's built.com and if you end up ordering something find something you like use our promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your order again that's locked 15 at built.com at built bar the place to go for all of your protein supplement needs for purdue three interceptions were made in o'connell nothing really looked great on the boilermaker side throughout this game i, I mean you went into it the offense was uh pretty much a dud and yeah. boilermakers have to try and figure that out after i mean looking like one of the you put up 24 against Iowa you're one of the best offenses in the country for that week and then again one big 10 game to another a whole lot of things can change 
Let's move on to Maryland and Minnesota. Speaking of which, we talked the end of last week about how both of these teams are two teams that can put together two completely different performances one week to another. Maryland's two, or not Tua Tungavailoa, Tali Tungavailoa has been outstanding at times, looking like Tua Tungavailoa. Other times, he's been really, really sloppy. You can say the same about the Minnesota offense. Tanner Morgan has looked really good in some cases. In others, he has been just uh, honestly awful. And in this one, neither quarterback was all that outstanding. Tungavailoa, 189. Morgan, 125 passing. Only one touchdown combined for both of them. But Minnesota's rushing attack continues to be outstanding, which is insane. They've lost two, three running backs now. That They had, uh, obviously, uh, Mo Ibrahim go down. Then Trey Potts is out of this game, too. They still had 326 rushing yards as a team on Maryland. Uh, I'll give Minnesota the credit where credit is due. This team has an offensive line that has made this offense serviceable. The defense has come to play in a way that it simply just didn't at the beginning of the season. The improvement throughout the season for Minnesota is something I didn't see coming, at least from start to finish, at least how good they looked in this last couple of games, Maryland and Nebraska. I'm interested to hear what you thought about this matchup going into it, what you think about it after an 18-point win for the Gophers, Jay. How's them looking like a team that could be near the top of that Big Ten West, too? They're 3-1 and one in the conference. You know, Nate, I with Maryland, the losing team in this game, only scoring 16 points, I've wondered how their injuries at the wide receiver position have hurt them. Now, granted, you do have five for 50, five for 62, five catches for 62 yards for Fleming. Uh, Jaheim Jarrett, four for 56. You have... Um, a Conqua, two for 30. I mean, you're going to get some guys that can, that can catch the ball. But when you're losing two of your top receivers, it's going to be very, very hard to do to move the ball against because you're, you're now your third receiver moves to the number one slot, a slot he's not normally used to, but he might normally be better suited inside at the slot. Now he's at the outside. It, it just changes every single dynamic. Now, I remember early in the season, before the season, I mentioned, I mentioned to Leia Tonga could possibly be in the Heisman Trophy race if everything stays healthy based off how the players are on the field, on his team, and how good that offense could be. When you lose your top two receivers, Maryland's not talented enough to overcome such a thing. The defense isn't good enough to overcome a rushing attack where Thomas has 139 on the ground. You have Irving who has 105 on the ground. I mean, seven yards of carry for Irving and a 6.6 yards of carry for Thomas. I mean, these guys are just picking back up what the two previous guys have been doing. Remember, early in the season, Minnesota had a chance to beat Ohio State game number one. Mo Ibrahim goes down beginning of the fourth quarter. This offensive line was controlling and moving the defensive line, defensive front for the Buckeyes. They're still moving and controlling the front for the guys that are behind him. It does not matter who is in the backfield for Minnesota. This offensive line moves people, the literal people movers in Minnesota. And it's why these two gentlemen, Thomas and Irving, helped lead Minnesota to victory over the Terrapins. We'll see if Minnesota can keep that momentum rolling as it still has to, of course, play its biggest games of the season. Iowa, Wisconsin still on the schedule for the Gophers. 
Moving on, last game to get to here, Jay. Northwestern got beat up by Michigan. Number six ends up rolling 33-7, to the final score. Michigan's up to 7-0, and it sets up the matchup between Michigan and Michigan State as a battle of unbeatens here this weekend. That might be the most important part of all of this, but Northwestern doesn't look good in a 3-4 and four, uh showing or falling to three and four Kate McNamara does look pretty good 20 27 in rolling again for the Buckeyes as that team in Michigan or I'm sorry Wolverines not Buckeyes I can't make that mistake uh, that team in Michigan ends up looking really solid after a week before having some question marks rise up against Nebraska so they end up having a nice bounce back uh, I guess against Northwestern I don't know how much more you look into it you know in this game the Wolverines took advantage of the Wildcats. Almost, I almost said a different team name. Excuse me for the pause. <laughs> the Wolverines almost took advantage of the Northwestern offense of having – or no, they did take advantage of the Northwestern offense not having a good quarterback. It's something a similar thought that I had about the Illinois offense in the moment over the weekend. If Illinois, if Illinois had an average quarterback that could at least throw the ball to somebody – they would actually be a decent team. Northwestern, the same thing. If they had a quarterback that could actually move the ball a little bit, throw the ball a little bit, sorry, Ryan Halinski, you're not getting the job done for me. They would be an okay team. But Michigan knew they had to take advantage of the inability for Northwestern to move the ball consistently with the quarterback or just move the ball at all, and they did just that. I do know there are some people that are Michigan fans that are saying, Jay, Kay McNamara can't get the job done either. And I'm saying he is just doing what's being asked of him. I do think the Michigan offense is a little bit different if Ronnie Bell does not get hurt early in the season. I do firmly believe that game number one, because he got hurt. There were a couple of big long plays, catches that he had early in the at game number one. He ultimately got hurt. He's out. I do think that's a little damper on this Michigan offense. Not that it's perfect or that it would be perfect, but that's an attack and a, a weapon that they don't have right now. Kate McNamara, I know some of y'all are calling for J.J. McCarthy. Roll with McNamara. There's a reason why Harbaugh has McNamara at QB1. You got to love the combination of Quorum and Haskins in the backfield. The defense for Michigan took advantage of a hole from Northwestern. The Michigan offense did what was needed for them to move the ball and for them to score the points that they needed to be victorious in this game anytime. You hold somebody to only seven points in a game. You got to praise that defense for doing their job. Jay, before we let you go, as our lockdown Buckeyes host, how much more confident are you feeling about the Buckeyes' chances winning this Big Ten, just the way everybody else looks, as compared to you were, say, three weeks ago? A lot more confident. A lot. I mean, I was confident the entire the entire the, the entire right, time. Right. But I'm a lot more confident right now than I was three weeks ago because I do believe that this team coming off of the bye week is playing in a way that I don't know. I don't see Penn State being able to slow them down. I know that they have a test in Nebraska coming up, a road test that's tricky. Nebraska has given some people some fits had they been good late in games. But I'm pretty confident. I am pretty confident they'll run the table. I'm pretty confident that whoever they face in the West from the Big Ten West, that is, in the Big Ten Championship game, the Buckeyes will, will be victorious in that game as well. 
Yeah, well, you're talking about how good the Buckeyes were. I meant to ask more like in context to how bad everyone else has looked over the last few weeks. But yeah, I mean, Ohio <laughs> State's obviously good too. Jay Stevens is the host of Locked On Buckeyes. You can hear him talk Ohio State football, basketball, everything else that's going on every weekday on the show. He's got to fill up that half hour somehow. So if you need to know anything going on on campus out in Columbus, Jay is going to fill you in Monday through Friday, just the way we do with everything in the Big Ten on the weekdays. Until next time, Jay, remind the people where they can get everything that you're up to with the Locked On Buckeyes and outside too. Nate, this is always fun with you every every time we get to come here and recap the weekend that was in the Big Ten Football Conference. You can follow, subscribe to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your fine podcast. Also follow, subscribe to the Jay Stevens podcast, Apple Podcasts, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your fine podcast there as well we'll talk to you next monday jay be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to your podcast now to locked on big 10 here and of course locked on buckeyes where jay is every weekday thanks for making locked on big 10 your first listen every day be sure to make your second listen lock on buckeyes with jay until tomorrow i'm kevin mcguire from locked on nittany lions i'm nate dickinson this has been locked on big 10